Welcome to Dragon Talk. Thank you. I am Greg Tito. I'm Shelly Mazanoble. And this is the uh, you know the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Oh, I like right. to say that sometimes. But I know you do. It's not really that official. Though. You're really proud. Depending on on our our conversation, it doesn't really get official. Really. Well, it's official, but it's not always relevant. There's a difference. <laughs> that is true. Those are two different things. It's a big difference. Oh, my God. So Dungeons & Dragons has got uh, Tales from the Awning Portal is out in stores now everywhere. You can go check it out. And as part of the celebration of that book, we have uh, uh, Kate Irwin and Emmy Tanji here Woo-hoo! for our interview Woo-hoo! segment. They've got their, their, we call them the cans in the business. we got oh. the cans on. Oh. Yeah, you can't. Oh, say it. <laughs> you cannot. <laughs> Those are also uh, very hot here. In a room full of women. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nice to point it out, Craig. (laughs) They're not coming back ever. That's probably why. He didn't say that to Mike Merles. Just saying. That's right. Uh, we also <laughs> did. I, did I introduce you as well? Did I say your name? He's off. Emmy Tanji. I know. I'm all flustered by. Like, <laughs> I'm being like, guys, it's really hot in here. I'm just. <laughs> but we're here to talk about Tales of the Yawning Portal. But before we get to that, uh, we have a few announcements. There's D and D Beyond is in beta testing right now. Uh, Curse Woo. Gaming has developed that for us, and it's kind of amazing. Uh, go test it out. Uh, you can sign up on dndbeyond.com uh, and uh, go through all the basic rules content. Character tracker, um, it's going to have uh, some a compendium with spells, magic items, and monsters, as well as uh, maybe some other fun features that they'll be testing out in the third phase. I don't know exactly when this podcast will drop, so maybe it'll be the third phase already. Oh, wow. And then the fourth phase is, we already said world domination, so I guess it'll be... Uh, What's next? Um, I don't know. Uh, a long nap. A, the launch? Like launch, oh, yeah, and then exactly. the fifth stage will be uh, grief, and then <laughs> <laughs> denial. Exactly. Uh, so go check that out. Of course, Dragon Plus is also going to be coming out very soon, April twenty fourth. Uh, Bart Carroll has been working very hard on this issue, which is also about tales in which we interview a lot of the older um, uh, adventure writers and uh, get kind of their commentary of what it was like writing it, and uh, it's it's super interesting. So go check that out. Yeah. Uh, and uh, dragonmag.com, uh, also available on iOS and Android natively there. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's the, we always got so much stuff going on, so you can always check out dungeonsanddragons.com for more information there. Yes. Um, and uh, I've been soliciting a whole bunch of lore you should know topics from our amazing listeners. Um, and so I think Matt is going to uh, expound upon Aww, some of those lore topics. He's so excited. He is. He gets very excited. I know. He's like, I have to read about all. And he's, it all comes out in his yep. brain. It's amazing. Yep. Uh, so we'll throw it to one of the Bing Bong uh, theme episodes of that right about now. <laughs> Bing Bong. I know. That's going to be like my catchphrase now to go to throw it to. Throw it to the Bing Bong. Throw it to the Bing Bong board. <laughs> throw it to the Bing Bong board. So it's like we're in like a morning talk show. Like, That's what I feel like. Oh, the fort, fart board. <laughs> So welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know, where we go deep into a specific topic of D&D lore uh, to give, uh, you know, some some tips to Dungeon Masters to include in their game or just uh, generally educate people on uh, on the happenings of Dungeons and Dragons. I am Greg Tudor and I'm joined by Mr. Matt Cernan. Hello. And also Chris Perkins. Greetings. And today we're going to talk uh, about flumps. <gasps> flumps. Yes. Everyone's favorite All floating. All the deep, dark secrets of flumps. <laughs> <laughs> They're not just for comedic value anymore. That's really. right. They've got uh, uh, a lot of drama to them. Yes, that's, that's, that's the key to flumps now, is that they, <laughs> they are the, the best monsters of D&D. So, uh, so we, uh, uh, flumps were uh, figured prominently, well, not prominently, but they were around uh, in Out of the Abyss uh, when we did that adventure. Um, yes. But they are a perennial favorite of D&D players. Um, but when were they first uh, introduced? They first appeared in the first edition, Fiendfolio. Yes, the, oh. the only lawful good monster in that book. Yes, yes. They were lawful good, so right. all the evil characters could beat them up. Exactly. And and if you were to base the, the creature's merit solely on its illo, you'd certainly wonder how it arrived, <laughs> uh, how it made it this far. Um, <laughs> that illustration is, uh, is, 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 yes. is pretty stark. I would have to say that illustration is why it's made it this far. I mean, there are <laughs> really? some really terrible illustrations in that book. And, and the fact that it looks so goofy and is such a goofy concept is, is I think, precisely why. Yes, it's, it's basically a creature about the size of a dinner plate that flies through the air 
It's got tentacles on its underside and two eye stalks on its top, and it basically propels itself by expelling gas from its body. And yes. sort of, uh, the, you know, the joke around the office is it's basically flying by the power of its farts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it sort of makes a... I have always wanted to fly. Yeah, I, I, I think we're more like the Jetsons. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh man, add, uh, add Michael Winslow like sound effects to uh, the talents that Chris Perkins uh, is able to do. And uh, why was it lawful good back then? We're not altogether sure. Yeah, I don't know which of the authors of that book uh, mm-hmm. came up with it. I, I mean. Because the the book itself has some strange origins, being a sort of a product of uh, the, um, the the other side of the pond, pretty much. Um, so oh, really? Yeah, it, it came. W- uh, the Fiend Folio came out of the UK um, designers, and a lot of the monsters were picked up from other sources like magazines and things like that. But a few of them were were never. I'm pretty sure the Flumph didn't really have any appearance before that book, but. Um, and it didn't get it, it. It sort of got carried through various editions. Uh, always preserved its lawful good alignment, and then when we used it in Out of the Abyss, it was um, we tried to in fifth edition uh, find an ecology for it by saying, "Hey, these creatures—they're kind of like psionic parasites. Mm-hmm. They feed off of psychic energy and are drawn to um, uh, places and creatures that use." Psionics, or that have psychic powers, or telepathy, and things like that. Right. They kind of just feed off the ambient um, mind. Yes. Stuff. In a non-threatening manner. Right. That's going around. So, so you know, uh, I like the idea that they would have sort of hovered around, um, you know, mind flare colonies, and you know, the elder brain sending out its telepathic waves, and and they're just kind of just. Feeding them. Yeah. And what's good is if you run into them, they might actually, and you can communicate with them in some fashion, they might be able to share some of the knowledge that they've gained by basically just hanging around. Um, So they're they're good company. Are Uh, they extra, sorry, excuse me, are they extra planar? No. 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 I mean, origins unknown. I mean, there were so many monsters. (laughs) (laughs) You know, did mind flayers invent them? No, I don't think so. Um, Like, it's... How did uh, they end up in the Underdark? We're not sure. Yeah, it's strange. I mean, but the Underdark's a strange place. Um, You know, the idea, anything that that it kind of deals with psionics and D&D tends up to be a, a little bit weird. Uh, so I, I think I think it's just sort of part and parcel with you know the, the way back when they're yeah they are very good natured but they can be dangerous because uh, they can uh, basically spray an acidic enzyme mm. in a cell's self defense mechanism. Fortunately, you can usually tell when a mind when a mind flare when a flump is angry at you because it changes color. Right, it's like a, the mood ring of D and D. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I think I think like red is angry. That's pretty predictable. Um, uh, so yeah, if it turns red on you, get the hell out. It's dangerous, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, how was it used uh, throughout the history of, of Dungeons and Dragons? Also, it it doesn't have say as frequent a use as anything like you know Githyanki or Mind Flayers or no, anything like that. No. Um, but it pops up every now and then, and oftentimes in some sort of silly context. I think the most egregious silly context is probably. Uh, Castle Greyhawk, um, which is <laughs> is a uh, an egregious adventure all around. Um, <laughs> well, it's, let's just say it's not for all tastes. Um, it is a it is a collection of short adventures written by various um, illustrious individuals from TSR's past, and not let's just say not all the adventures were meant to be taken seriously. But mm. or uh, yeah, it's Even possible none close. of them <laughs> were meant to be taken seriously, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't what Gary intended when he. Uh, Came up with Gary, with the concept of Castle Grey. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's the definite yes. And so, th- like for example, in in that they uh, there you go through a doorway and you end up basically on this plane of the silly and unused monsters, uh, mm-hmm. which includes the it's like the island of misfit toys, the Akarai, Amirage, Ascomids, Atomies, Axbeaks. I mean, some of these are actually pre- pretty decent mm-hmm. monsters, but a lot of them are really goofy. They're silly looking when you when you take it out of the context. Yes, definitely. Right, and uh, they often didn't have much in the way of a culture or ecology at the time. Uh, right, and and they don't have any real story attached to them a yeah. lot of times as well. Yeah. But and so there's there's just it goes through a laundry list of what's got to be probably uh, fifty different monsters. Um, 
and just keeps on going and going and going. The paragraph is basically almost the column length long in the book. Uh, <laughs> it's just all the monsters that you end up meeting if you go through this one door in the adventure, and that's it. And Flumps is one of those monsters. Yep. Yes. They didn't get much use in, otherwise. Uh, I know there was at least one Dungeon Magazine adventure that featured Flumps, but they never really got any uh, traction in any, any serious way um, until Out of the Abyss when we actually... Um, tried to incorporate them into the ecology of the Underdark right. that we were building. Um, I like that idea. I kind of I think I latched onto it for a little mini adventure that I ran yeah. because they seemed so different, and it fits your conception for uh, Out of the Abyss that you were going mm-hmm. into, you know, the Alice in Wonderland yeah. uh, descending. Yes. Now, uh, flumps have a very um, interesting weakness, and that is uh, they have the the turtle shell problem. If you flip a flump upside down, it can't right itself easily. So it's very, very vulnerable and exposed if it gets flipped upside down. Yes, the uh, Dragon 246 has the ecology of the flump, um, which talks a lot about that and about how they have an an innate form of anti-gravity, but it's pointed up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> which is like well, what? what what does that mean <laughs> yeah, I don't know <laughs> sounded good when somebody wrote it right so they yeah. bounce off the ceiling is that what yeah. uh, that makes no sense yeah, yeah whatever so if, how, it's, if it's anti-gravity by definition it's not pointing out <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's where TSR writers could break the, the laws of physics pretty easily this is all falling kind of funny the the, the uh, digestive spray or sort of spray that they says it says that it's extremely Extremely foul-smelling, something of unappealing yes. melange of skunk musk, rotting cabbages, and the unwashed armpits of a sweaty, overweight orc. <laughs> <laughs> That's very specific. Yeah, I love that it's a melange. Yeah. 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 So I, th- there's, I mean, and they pop up every now and then. There's, there's a, there's a couple. Uh, there's a letter to the editor in Dragon Magazine once, um, uh, basically saying, you know, hey, what is a flump? I've heard of, heard of this thing in, in the magazines. What the heck is it? Mm. And uh, they pointed an article later on, and it's about Roger e- by Roger E. Moore, and it's about all about how the different ways that characters have been killed and so on. And the most embarrassing one, he says, is being killed by a flump. <laughs> Get the so, corrosive uh, yeah. uh, spray mm-hmm. on you, and then yeah, yeah. because yeah. they're generally so nice. Yeah, you're basically being killed by a lawful good creature who means you no harm. Right, but you, you made <laughs> so, somehow you managed. You made it, made it mad by turning it on its head and uh, not letting it float. So how could uh, so how could dungeon masters Someone use flumps? by a Jehovah Witness? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? How could they use it in their their campaign? I mean, I know a lot of D and D monsters are very you know overtly serious and, and you know they have a lot of like drama to them. Uh, and we talked about that earlier. But I like, think I think the for for campaign flumps provide contrast. If you're in the Underdark, things can get bleak and dour quite quickly, and a lot of what you meet down there wants to eat you. So as a point of contrast, you can say, well, the ecology of the Underdark is broader than just things that want to eat you. Here are some creatures that are benign, that have somehow managed to eke out an existence down here and survive. Mm. Hey, you should be more like them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think one of the great things that 5th edition did with the Flump is give it some place in the world and an ecology and a story uh, without taking away its innate goofiness, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. it is still a, a silly-looking thing, and right. it is still a, a funny thing to encounter, but now it's also a little bit wondrous and, and eerie and, and fun and, and beautiful, and, and even, you know, if you can imagine that. So Yeah. Um, and I like the idea that they reside near things that are inherently evil, you know, like the like the elder right. brain or something yeah. like that. Like they, they kind of are like, oh, well, it's it's a, it's a way in for a dungeon master to be like, well, yes. you can't assault the elder brain at your level right now, but... Maybe you can talk to these flumps and you right. can figure it out. Or there might be something else sounding like, you know, Githyanki or Kisari in the area or something. And so, you know, the, your first hint that you're in, entering that space is you encounter some flumps. And they're just kind of, you know, scooting around and scooping up <laughs> the ether. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. Uh, any, any plans for flumps in the future? Oh, gosh. We don't discuss future flump plans. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but suffice to say, they will live on long past any of us. First rule of Flump Club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now I want a Flump we Club. We do not talk about Flump Club. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm imagining like a high-end, uh, you know, golf, uh, you know, everybody going, oh, hi, you're, oh, you're wearing green today. Oh, mm-hmm. that's nice. Very um, cool. Yeah, I think that creatures such as them that bring an element of charm to D&D will always find a place. And uh, if we ever go back into the Underdark, likely there will be Flumps there. Can they not survive outside the Underdark? Are they? Could they be on the surface? Oh, I don't know. I certainly think they could. They could go yeah. anywhere, but they still they need that psionic Tether, food. Yeah, you know. So I mean, 
I think, you know, if you have some psionic character wandering around or a creature or something, you could, it could have some flumps floating around behind yeah, it. Yeah, if there are a bunch of flumps hanging around the king, then maybe the king's actually a mind player in disguise. And you should, <laughs> you should, watch, out for, you should watch out for that. <laughs> well, you know, we have the idea in, in D&D, too, of, like, wild talents and stuff like yes. that as a thing. So I could imagine... So you could imagine a flump just sort of grafting onto a... Or not grafting, but basically flying around with a character who has a wild talent and just kind of hanging out. Right. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. don't leave. Don't leave. <laughs> yeah. You're moving too fast. Every time you get yes. into a fight, I eat. Like, continue Where to eat, Where did my please. food go? Yeah, exactly. All right, well, that's kind of cool. I like that maybe an idea of, like, a... A, a ranger could use a flump as a as a <laughs> as a companion or uh, something yeah, like that. Except it's a, a companion that can beat him at chess, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are very intelligent. Yeah, they do have a, a fair. I think they have average intelligence, um, if I recall. Sure, but I mean, rangers um, aren't but, necessarily no, bright. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Your psionic ranger, not necessarily bright. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, that's uh, that's that's a little bit on flumps. Um, and uh, uh, thank you guys for joining me and uh, t- and talking it through. And uh, we'll be back next week with some more fun lore you should know. Absolutely. Uh, where can they find you uh, on on Twitter, Matt, to, to bug you about more flump ideas? At Cernet, S-E-R-N-E-T-T. And what about you, Mr. Perkins? At Chris Perkins D-N-D. Nice. All yes. right, guys. And because flumps are the only monster that I can actually draw, that's what I usually sign in books. They can draw. So I say my name. No, no, that's what Chris little, draws. I, I draw a little a picture of a flump next to my signature. Oh, yeah, that's the only creature that you can draw. There are actually three creatures I can draw. I can draw a flump, I can draw a modron, and I can draw a beholder. So it's going to be one of those whenever I sign a book. Nice. I can't write my name the same way twice, so <laughs> I don't try drawing. <laughs> All right. Me too. I'm in that same boat. All right, thanks, you guys. Yep, bye. bye. That was a really great, uh, uh, you know, Laurie Cheneau from Matt. Don't you think? As usual. As usual. Yeah, he really expounds amazingly well mm-hmm. and uh, gives us all the tidbits. Yep. And uh, I'm excited to throw it to our interview segment. Me and people too. who are here patiently waiting, Emmy uh, Tanji and Kate Irwin. Hi, guys. Hi, Hi Greg. Hi, Shelly. Hi. Hi. Nice to see you again. Good to see you, too. Yeah, so too. different in this room than different in our yeah. cubicles. Yep, I know. It's so, totally different. Totally. It's like, you know, we got the... Stuff around it's us. Professional. Yeah. 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 Feels very professional. Really. So you guys worked uh, 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 with Jeremy on uh, Tales from the Awning Portal and getting this the physical actual product out there. Uh, it's so beautiful. It is beautiful. Product. We've in the office. We've had them for the last week or so. We've been thumbing through them and uh, 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 admiring all of your work. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. It's good stuff. Love it. Uh, so for people who may not know, uh, uh, Emmy, what do you, what is uh, what is your role in putting together a book like this? I am the senior graphic designer for D&D, and um, when it comes to working on the books, I get to work with Kate Irwin and Jeremy Crawford, um, kind of making their dreams come true, hopefully. Dream <laughs> <laughs> no, maker. No, I get what they, with all of the wonderful content, and I try to make it into something that reads and looks like a book. Well, it does. Yeah. And that, that was a big part of this book development was that I was taking older text and older content and updating it for the way we bake stuff now. And you guys have been the ones who have made almost all the fifth edition books, right? I would yeah. say all of them. Yeah. Yeah. With the help from many wonderful talents, though, yeah. as well. You're so modest. Oh, you are. And <laughs> can, <laughs> no, 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 no one's ever said that about me. <laughs> Shelly's always tooting her own horn. If I had anything to do with this book, I would tell you. <clears throat> And Kate, your role is uh, more about commissioning the art inside, correct? Correct. I commission the art and um, and then kind of oversee the the look and flow of the book. Um, Emmy Emmy is the hands, and we're both like half the brain. And of course, you're talking about the Voltroning that happens when yes. when uh, <laughs> you two and Jeremy get together and kind of create the book uh, uh, as a thing, right? Yeah. Who's the feet? Is that Jeremy the feet? <laughs> who's the Who's the red lion and who's the green Ooh. lion? Oh, see, now we need you to actually design all this out. <laughs> I know. I feel like Jeremy's probably the brains, like he's the head part or the heart. Yeah. Oh no, no Kate's the heart because she's got the spirit. Oh, like, that makes sense. And I'll be the feet. <laughs> Because you're fast. You're very fast. That's oh, true. okay. I was going to say more bottom yeah. heavy, but that's cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, you're fast. Speedy. Yeah. Nice. I think Thanks. you're the only one who's uh, running races. So. Oh, thanks, Kate. Oh. 
I try. That's Literally, fastest. she yeah. is. What races are you running? Oh, uh, I'm going to try and do my first half marathon at the end of the year. Are you no serious? Way, really? Yeah, I can't run for anything, but I figure I have almost a year, so maybe I can like run the, in the almost a year. the Seattle marathon? No, the um, Las Vegas one. Oh, okay, let's say, because the Seattle one's in November, That's and it. it's always cold and icky. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to go to Las Vegas to run a half No, half I'm, I'm going there for other things, but I oh. figure that's oh. going on at the same time. Just while you're there. Because that's what like, you do when oh, you yeah, go to Vegas, right? right? I'm going to go yeah. to the Bellagio and have all you can eat brunch, and then I'm going to run a marathon. <laughs> 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 you might flip that. As one does. Yeah, right. definitely flip that. You sandwich it, you know, two buffets and a Two marathon. marathons, <laughs> and then, and then oh, eating in the middle? I was the eating before mm. and after. All right, well, that makes sense. you gotta you got to get the carbs, the carb loading ahead of time. Yeah, that's true. I might not make it to the half marathon. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. It is, as long as we try. Yep. That's awesome, though. I can't wait to hear about that. You're going to be training? Oh, thanks. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I'll try she that. She already is. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. try that. I'll try that. <laughs> you don't just show up to a marathon. I do. That's what I do. And I watch. I'm like, oh, hi, guys. <laughs> oh, there's a marathon. Yeah. What can I get? What are those T-shirts? I actually, we moved to a new place in uh, in Brooklyn. Uh, on was, We didn't really know this, but it was November 1st came around. And uh, uh, it was actually my bachelor party was the night before. And uh, all of a sudden, there were all these, like, barricades on the side of my road. And I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. I go inside. I'm barely waking up. And then we're like, why are all these people running by? It's like 8 in the morning. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Something happened. And then more people started running by. And that's when we realized, oh, yeah, we're on the New York City Marathon route. No And then like, like an hour later, there was just this mass of people running down my street. Like a, just a mass of humanity for like an hour and a half, two hours, three hours. Just people. Wow. wow. And it was the most surreal thing to be like drinking coffee, like completely hungover <laughs> and being like, what are you people doing? Where are they all doing? <laughs> Guys like, you go. Yeah. Hurry. <laughs> so then, you know, we made like whatever brunch stuff we had and we kind of made it like a little bit of an after party type thing. And so like every year after that, we ended up being like, oh, this is just what we do on their marathon day. We have a brunch, brunch. and yeah. watch marathon runners. Over. Yeah. Watch them. I'm very good at watching piles them. of not so much. My favorite were the people who dressed up. Like there were people who had like swords and oh. you know and like uh, superhero costumes, but definitely a lot of like you know fantasy D and D cosplay type stuff. Really? Yeah. There should be like Emmy. a fantasy run. Wouldn't Emmy. that be the best? You mm-hmm. could do that. I mean, okay. Dress <laughs> <laughs> up in a costume for the marathon. <laughs> I like dressing up. So would you say that uh, oh. uh, making Tales from the Awning Portal was more of a sprint or a marathon? Oh, good one. Oh, it's Way a sprinting marathon. Nice segue. Yeah. Like that? <laughs> um, well, for me, every book is a marathon because um, because the commissioning happens so far ahead of the actual time that we're putting the book together. Um, oh, how about how far ahead? Um, well, there's usually it's about two months, uh, about a month for the sketch process, Mm -hmm. and then another month for the finishing, the finalizing. And then it goes through imaging um, to make sure that it prints well. And then it goes into Emmy's hands. And then it's probably another month and a half uh, before we send it off to the printer when it's looking in its uh, actual final form. It's not that long. No. But, but it feels long. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, maybe it, it seems feels like really it is. Long. But I'm th- thinking about all of the art that's happening and all the back and forth and all the different artists that you're working with, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like that gives you a lot of time. <laughs> I think you need more time. Uh, um, if you can work that out with Heather, I totally our scheduler, will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take more time. Although, <laughs> although then things start overlapping with other things and. So we didn't mess with our schedules, Shelly. You're yeah. really messing everything well, up now. Well, the next product's already late now. <laughs> Thanks to me. So and my, commi- me and my meddling. You're commissioning stuff about like six months ahead of time then, and then it, you start getting them um, all together? Or is it more like a year? Eight? No, no. <laughs> oh, gosh. You're asking me to do math here on the fly. I don't have a pen and paper in front of me. I'm um, not good at that either. So, yeah, maybe, mm, maybe four and a half, five months before it goes to the printer mm-hmm. um, is when I'm uh, sending thing or getting my commission in order and sending it out to the artists. Okay. And um, maybe a month and a half, two months before that is when I'm actually contacting them and saying, hey, I have a project coming up. Um, it's kind of about this stuff. Do you want to join? Do you have time in your schedule? Yeah. Does it sound cool to you? And um, that's so that's about the beginning of the, the process for me. And um, Emmy cool. does some uh, earlier stuff as well um, with 
just coming up with the look of the interior of the book, uh, too. Because, of course, she has to have that all kind of planned out before the assets come to her way, the art and the and the text. Um, so she's... And with this one, it was an extra challenge because it, it's not just one adventure. It's seven adventures mm-hmm. that all are completely different from each other. Um, but there has to be some kind of unifying look to the book. Um, you know, we talked about, well, should each chapter be totally different looking? Um, and that didn't seem like the the most cohesive way to go. Plus, um, I'd be like creating seven different graphic designs. Yeah. And I saw, yeah. I saw Emmy be like, uh-uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, so that's she funny. had to come up with something that, that would tie everything together. And that's where... Um, the title of the book helped because the Yawning Portal is the place where everybody comes to talk about how great their adventure was or find a new adventure to go on. And mm-hmm. um, so that was that was kind of our underlying theme. And so when you're talking about the unifying elements, you're uh, 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 you're talking about the zhuzhing and the uh, the things yeah. that that, that uh, the glyphs, kind of the thing that yeah, what, the I, splotches. I, I, the the splotches. Yeah, that's, the splotches. That's the term I was looking for. <laughs> and there's this nice border around here. There is. There usually um, in every book we have kind of like a um, a theme and like um, very subtle graphic background, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, Kate is the one who helps me. She kind of directs, like, well, this is. She'll talk to R and D and you know the big brains, and then she'll be like, this is kind of the theme. This is the feel of you know what this whole book is going to be like, and. Um, you know, this is what you kind of make it. And so I'll run some different designs by here and make sure all of them are readable because as beautiful, bright, fluffy, we want to make the background. It's still very important text. That needs to come first. So um, she kind of, you know, gives me direction and I'll give her some concepts and then she'll give me a stamp of approval if it's good. Mm-hmm. And then Emmy builds up this library of all of the elements, the um, the folios of the book, the background, the splotches. And in this case, the splotches are kind of glyph-like because mm-hmm. um, she came up with a really great uh, symbol for the yawning portal itself. It's kind of a Celtic knot-looking YP, um, which is on the the cover or on the title page. Um, it's on his beer sign, too, and isn't it? it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's like the logo now for the Yanni nice. Portal. So when the Yanni Portal is. starts franchising, we'll be oh, able to yeah. be like, oh, nice. We you got the this shirt. Going. We got the shirt. We got the <laughs> mug. We got the mug. Yeah. We do. We do want that. <laughs> McDonald's has the golden the arches. Mug. We've yeah. got the YP. <laughs> so Emmy extrapolated from that symbol and made the splotches uh, reminiscent of that. And and she also worked that into the title page, or the, well, the title page, of course, but the um, chapter openers, and um, which are like the the cover of each adventure kind of so um is that like the last piece that ends up getting together or or is it one of the first things or is it different for each book the splotchy stuff yeah oh it's one of the first things because um we're going to need all of those things at the beginning um to already be laid out there so when jeremy and kate hand over the art i don't need to start creating from that so everything already needs to be agreed upon plus it does um, bleed into marketing pieces and whatever else which also happens on a, its own separate timeline usually ahead so we're sometimes yeah. very far behind sorry guys yeah but I, I the reason why i want to talk about the splotches is because i'm not sure a lot of our, our listeners or readers really realize how much that unifies everything together you know like i and i noticed it just from talking to you guys about you know in storm king's thunder it was the runes that kind of you know fell around and then in in, in uh curse of strahd it was almost like a blood type of ink blotchy type feel to it you know and it really brings the character of the text the art and uh, uh the graphic design all together yeah i think it's okay if people don't recognize it either don't really notice it because hopefully um you know we're not slapping people in the face with it (laughs) where it it just all comes together to give that kind of underlying tone of what the book is supposed to be right it's like a it's like a good score to a uh uh, an action film or something like that you don't necessarily notice the music you just Mm -hmm. kind of know that it makes it all better it just enhances your yeah 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 and that's why I wanted to talk to you guys on this kind of thing because it's like, oh, let's bring it up. Let's talk, you know, because it's interesting that people like, you know, the listeners who are like they're super fans who want to be like, oh, what, why is this good or why is this better? Why why does fifth edition work, um, you know, the way it does? And it has a lot to do with all this stuff. Yep. Yay. Faux show. Uh, How much art is in this book? Do you know? 
Six. Oh. Six pieces. How many maps, Kate? At least. Um, well, we recommissioned um, the art. Um, so the original covers are, are in the books, but mm-hmm. um, everything else is um, is made for for this book itself. Um, oh, with one caveat. Yes. Two caveats. Um, dos caveatos. Dos caveatos. <laughs> <laughs> The, the Adventure Dead and They was an organized play adventure. Yep. And so that we brought over whole cloth, um, and, including the art. And Was that because you guys had already designed it? It was already well, kind the, of already went through design, your ringer? The design was updated and the stats were updated for fifth edition. Mm-hmm. But the, um, the, uh, the art assets themselves weren't outdated. Um, they still fit in with the look and feel of, oh, okay. of fifth edition. So, um and, you know, only people who've played uh, in organized play had seen it before. Seen it, so it wasn't it wasn't actually uh, released. Um, and then um, the maps in uh, against the giant, or what All did the, we call it? Yeah, it against, against, against the giant. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, those maps uh, were the. Not the original, original ones, but there was a midpoint where we did new maps for that. So That's cool. Yeah, so maps are also an interesting yep. thing that was updated here. I, I heard Shelly say maps before. Maps. Yeah, and I was like, oh, right, maps. 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 Cool. Yeah. yeah. So that's a really important part of all this is that so many of the older maps were not really up to our standards. And how do we update those and make them feel yeah. new and real? We, we do things a little bit differently now. Um, Things are always evolving, and and maps are one of the the places that I think people might might recognize it the most. What was it like commissioning those? Um, oh, it it was great because the R and D guys. I mean, we had the best reference because we had the maps from the previous um, versions. It was just uh, updating them more stylistically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I work with great cartographers. Um, Mike Schley had. <laughs> it's kind of funny because some sometimes the cartographers uh, have done the original maps too. Ooh, cool! Um, but uh, Mike Schley, uh, Jason Engel, um, uh, Ben Wooten, um, and Rob Lazaretti had done the um, Against the Giants maps. Oh, cool! So um, yeah, it was a lot of um, really great stuff, and you can't run an adventure without a map. No, people love them. So when you get do you get art orders from the story team on mm-hmm. what they're looking like? This is all the art that we want to include. Yep. Okay. And then do you get the art orders and think in your head like, oh, I know just the artist. That would be yeah. perfect for this. Because you have a large group of artists that you work with. Mm-hmm. So, um, with with this book, I was trying to, um, in one way, uh, separate the adventures a little bit um, by choosing a couple artists for each one. Um, so I tried not to um, have artists working throughout the book. They were they were each working in their own section. Mm. Um, there are a couple artists who worked in more than one um, adventure, but... Um, oh, you mean one artist, you tried to have one artist for each adventure? Well, no, we couldn't have one artist for each adventure for the most part, although um, Claudio Pozas did um, White Plume Mountain. Um, so that was that was great. He had the the bandwidth to do all of oh, that. It was one of the shorter ones too, so that worked out. But um, normally it's like five or six pieces per artist. Um, so if there are twelve pieces of art art for an adventure, I could have two artists okay. work on that one. That was how and I was trying to break it out. A lot of art to mm-hmm. be cranking out. Absolutely. So they send you the sketch first. Yes. So we send them the art order, which tells them uh, what's important. We send them reference, which in this case was a lot of the old art from the original mm-hmm. module. Um, and then um, then they send, sometimes they send roughs, which are like little thumbnails. Um, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And, and then we narrow it down to a sketch. And then um, we approve the sketch. Um, there may be some things that we need to update, but... Um, but generally, we're, we're in the ballpark at that mm-hmm. point. Um, and then they take it to color, and that's our final. Every in rare occasions, there are some uh, tweaks that need to be done uh, in final. But that's, it's, 
working with professionals makes it really easy, <laughs> I have to say. We have great artists that work on our books. So can you speak a little bit more to it when you said things are, have evolved or are evolving and like with the maps, there's like stylistic changes from when they were previously published. Like what sorts of things now, like how would you describe the, the change from the previous editions to fifth edition? Like what's, what, how is the art described in fifth edition? Um, so I think for fifth edition, um, well, how do I want to answer this? Um, <laughs> I mean, really, if you if you look way back, all the art was black and white. It was line work. Um, the budgets were a lot different. Um, what people expected is a lot different. Like nowadays, uh, you can go to a bookstore, go on Amazon, and look at all these concept art books and and like all the supporting art that goes into the video games that people love and the the movies that people love and and see all of that work behind the scenes and so I think people's expectations are a lot higher Mm -hmm. um, than they were in the the 80s the 90s Um, so I I think that we we just have to evolve and and really we're trying to um, be a leader in our in our um, Genre. 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 Um, <laughs> and oh, now I got to work Zhuzhen again. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so we're, we're um, you know, we, we don't want to follow behind what, mm-hmm. what other people are doing. We want to push the envelope wherever we can and, and uh, be more, more exciting, more interesting, more engaging. It's working. Yeah. Well, thank you. I say it does. I think that's both in the art and the content itself, too. Yeah. 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 It's yes. good. I mean, the graphic design is lacking, but well, you I know, mean, that's the one part that you're like. A few years behind. <laughs> Eventually. Start. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a marathon. Uh, yeah. Start um, slow. Yeah. yeah you got to be the turtle, turtle, not the hare. The turtle. No. Or tortoise, tortoise, I guess. So, uh, so Emmy, you do, a, I mean, you mentioned before how you do a lot of the marketing stuff, too. Uh, uh, and one thing we made with this, which I really love, was 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 uh, the map for Tomb of Horrors uh, that we made for a thing for GaryCon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which they just fun. came in the office, so now they're, like, top of mind. I'm, like, talking about them a lot. Oh, I was wondering Ooh. why I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, Tito will give you well. one. Maybe. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, so yeah, well, I mean, what can you talk a little bit about that process? About you know, do I mean? I mean, I know I know what it is because I do it with you. But yeah, what is it? What does it mean when it's like, oh yeah, do this, do this thing that could be a, end, end up being a physical product? Well, getting to work with um, Tito and Trevor is a lot of fun because oh. we do a lot of convention stuff. I know. I know that was really. Not <laughs> Maybe true. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, the challenge and the fun stuff with you guys is that convention times will also um, they not only work on very fast schedules, <laughs> like things needed sooner than later. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of fun stuff because you get to do a lot of swag and extra things. So, you know, stickers, shirts, um, things for the conventions like bags and this map that's coming out, which is, is it the Tomb, the Tomb of Horrors, Horrors map? Yeah. Um, I don't, is that an old map or did you commission? It's new. It's in, oh, it's, guys, it's new. It's new. Okay. It's a new map. It's new and it's big and you could get it if you go to GaryCon. That's right. Um, and the fun part was that, um, you know, instead of just doing this map giveaway, um, they wanted to kind of add a little bit of flourishes and a little bit of personality to it. So I think it was Merle's who kind of added these fun little scribbles and notes on the map, you know, that came from either his personal experiences or adventures he's heard because uh it's a pretty exciting tomb to go through. It's a pretty exciting dungeon. So, you know, that's getting the art, making sure we work with our product engineers, Donna, um, to get the specs, get all of that little detail stuff to actually make it a product, and then um, work with R&D to get the correct content to it, make sure legal stuff is on it, really exciting, and then hand it off to the vendors in time. <laughs> so but they can but make it. Didn't, you, didn't you write that stuff in your own blood? Yes, a little, mostly. (laughs) That's why it was so, you know, happy looking. It was the happiest, sweetest blood I've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah, we have to sacrifice. (laughs) Lots, lots of cute little animals. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
There's yeah, well, I mean, just I mean, it's really fun to be able to 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 have th- these weird brainstorming sessions where we're like, let's make up, you know, something that people we think, you know, D and D fans will like, yeah. and then, uh, you know, I don't have the artistic talent to kind of make it a real reality, and then we we hand it to Emmy, and she just like done, you know, and uh, it k- kills all the animals and puts that in the into the the InDesign files uh, for the book <laughs> to happen, you know. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, I don't know if anybody realizes, but like almost all of the physical stuff that we that we give away or that you guys see uh, is all all goes through Emmy's computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we are we're always looking for new ideas and new things that people are interested in and what they might want. So let Greg know. Yeah, tweet <laughs> him or whatever. Tell Emmy. However, you Inclu- kids I mean, talk to each other. <laughs> I did, actually I don't even know where this started, but you know the. Um, uh, cards that we do for holidays sometimes for like Mother's Day or Valentine's oh, yeah. Day uh, you design and illustrate those as well right <laughs> I try yeah <laughs> where did that where did that come from where did that start know. it started with the Mother's Day one mm-hmm. a couple years I worked a year with you on that one ago. yeah, yeah. What, was there a reason other Probably than mothers I was are pregnant or oh <laughs> like there Probably we go <laughs> you know what we need for <laughs> Mother's Day, Day card. Yeah. That's where it came from. <laughs> Maybe the timing's about right. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I remember that. I yeah. Do. I don't know why it worked. Yeah. yeah. We put it, we, we like um, interacting with, you know, the people on social media and the people who support our brand. So these, you know, we made these silly little things and then we made a Mother's Day one. We have to make a Father's. It's like if you and give a mouse Halloween. a cookie, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. We gave the mouse a cookie and now we have to keep doing it. Yes. <laughs> But it's good fun. Yeah. The puns the puns are amazing. We try. It helps to have so many dads in the office. It's true. <laughs> You're like absorbing all of the awful jokes and then <laughs> saving them in like a database. Again, They're yeah. like, oh, I'll pull that one out for for this cute card. I've never seen anyone like out in the wild wearing something that you designed. Like outside of this. I mean, in the building. The, it's everywhere. Like Greg's wearing yeah. something right now. Oh, yeah. Like this shirt. Yeah. Oh, um, like, when we did the loot crate. Um, partnership oh, yeah. thing, you know, the big red amp- uh, the red shirt with a black ampersand. Yes. I remember after, recently, I think after that crate had come out, I was at the airport going home or something, I don't know. Um, and then I saw this guy wearing the, you know, the red shirt with the ampersand, and I wanted to be like, I like your shirt. You <laughs> By the way, I oh saw those God. shirts all the time. <laughs> yeah. They were everywhere. They were cool. I yep. hope people still wear them. Yep. Was that, did you design that? Um, yeah. Yeah? I mean, it's the ampersand. Right. So, so then that, was your, that was all you. I put the file together. I'm going <laughs> to. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> With most oh things. Oh, my God. We, were ju- we just had Merle's in the last last week's podcast. And, uh, yeah, he was saying how he invented His mom tells the game store owner that he uh, uh, invented D&D. Oh, we got to have someone walking God, around with so you as being cute. like, do you know, by the way, she designed D&D. The, right. whole thing, the whole thing. The whole yeah, thing. All all of, of I drew all of this. I drew all of it. It's hard to explain to your parents. like, Or, you oh. know, your grandpa. It's like, oh, you show them the book. It's like, did you draw that? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I graphically I designed that. Yeah, I see that little, that splotch. <laughs> that's my blood right At there. That's my blood. <laughs> How did you not recognize that? Were you both always fans of fantasy, or is this something that you kind of gravitated to as you started working at Wizards? Um, I, I've been a fan since I was a little kid. I mean, oh, who, so who didn't read, um, like, the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, that, that kind of thing. So, And my sister would always hand me... She was she was a librarian. She started off as oh, a children's nice. librarian, so she she guided me really well. Mm-hmm. Nice. nice. Yeah, I've always liked fantasy things. I'd rather go to the bookstore and totally buy books by whatever's on the cover. I'd be like, it's a dragon, and I just buy all the <laughs> dragon books. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, yeah, I have always enjoyed, and I think I will always enjoy fantasy books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you think it's, uh, it's, I mean, because a lot of people do that just kind of, I mean, everyone says don't judge a book by its I cover, do. but many Only people, way how I buy it. many people do, <laughs> that's right? What you, that's what you're first drawn to. Right? And then so many people have, you know, uh, uh, talked about how fifth edition, you know, was either like a rebirth for them, their D&D fandom, or they just got into D&D because of it. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with the cover, you know, and how it looks and how it feels. Yeah. yeah. It's the artwork on the covers are always gorgeous and um, Shana Narisi, so she um, is the one who commissions the cover art and the marketing pieces and she just 
has a taste, a good taste mm-hmm. <laughs> for good art. And we have a lot of really good artists in our pockets. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I noticed on this cover, there's lots of different characters in the background. And then there's a cute little quiz inside <laughs> that asks you if you can identify who they are. So these are all commissioned, all of these other characters as well, right? Yeah, that, so that, this, uh, the cover was commissioned as a single piece. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have that too. <clears throat> it's going around. Um, Tyler Jacobson was the artist who who took all of the information that we pushed his way um, about the the different adventures and and um, plopped them all in here. I love it. Such a cool idea. Mm-hmm. You really get a sense of lots of tales have been told exactly. across this bar. Yeah, it was um, originally discussed as oh, should it just be the bar scene? Should it have little items behind it? Should it have you know drinks and all yeah. of this? Should it just be a general kind of backdrop? Should you actually be facing? Should he be facing behind you? Should it be this? Yeah. And then there was um, Shona had this idea of like almost like a tapestry background of all of the adventures because it is a book of different adventures it's not just one thing and you know um she had this whole idea and i'm like huh really and then she described it and then it came out and i'm like oh my gosh yeah it sounded kind of crazy when she was first talking about (laughs) it i was like this doesn't seem new and fresh a tapestry behind him okay but but with her and tyler working this all out it just turned out beautifully yeah no, it's really cool. Does that happen a lot where, you know, when someone describes something or even in text form, you get <laughs> you get a, a, an art order and you're like, I don't know, this doesn't make any sense. And then you get the actual image from it and it pops? Well, it it has to make sense to me <laughs> before I can <laughs> send it out to the artist. But uh, what, you're, what you're getting at happens all the time, that I'll send something out to an artist and maybe I'll have something in my mind that I think something straightforward and then they send me something else and I'm like oh my gosh that's so much better than anything that I could have <laughs> written down and we we try to keep the art descriptions to the um, the details that are important for the image th- to support the story um, but we don't say you know so and so is standing on the left his hand is raised up three fingers are extended he uh, has a smirk on his face and blah 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 no we say um, he's in a room and he's feeling really salty and <laughs> is going to, you know, whatever. We, we tell them what it is we want them to make. We, we try Using like not emotions to say, instead of like yeah, we don't too compose much, it for them yeah. because then you just get a shoebox diorama of something. Um, and the artist always brings something uh, special to it. It's almost like a D&D campaign, how you collaborate with <gasps> exactly. them. Exactly. You're the dungeon master oh, of the art. That is such a great way of thinking about it because I am super intimidated to DM and... (gasps) Kate, you'd be so good. I would play in your game. I'd play. It's all the... (laughs) It's all the details. You're behind the scenes. You make it all up. That's what's so fun. There's a handy book right here. (laughs) (laughs) I totally get that. Someday, I will. That mm, makes sense. I'd play. So... Yeah, I think we should. We should run it. I think we yeah. should. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast it or yeah, right, yeah. we'll do it in this room. <gasps> we're gonna do it now. now. She's not. No, I know. She just no, turned bright red. Her. She's like, nope, not doing it. Um, but we've talked a lot about you know artists and how much they bring to it. But um, you know how? I mean, I'm sure there's people listening here who uh, uh, maybe fancy themselves a, a fantasy artist or something like that. Is there any way that they can start submitting stuff? I know it's it's harder to get once you get to the professional level, but you know how do you, how do we get more more artistic voices out there? Sure, um, we we have um, a, an email that you can send samples to. Um, usually, <clears throat> an artist will send a. PDF of maybe five of their best pieces, the pieces that they feel um, really fit with D&D or magic. Um, We both look at the the submissions. Um, And sometimes it's a link to their website um, or DeviantArt pages, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, It is... Uh, I can't think of the name of the... Art Drop? Art Drop, thank you. <laughs> Tito, you know everything. You the I, I, I'm sorry. I, he was feeding it to me. I know. And I was oh. like, ah, I haven't... I was trying to charades so it out. I was like, I'll do Heart Art Drop. drop. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. thank you. Um, 
artdrop at wizards.com. Um, one and word? Artdrop, one word. Artdrop, one word. Ampersand, wizards. Oh my god, oh should boy. we we should Dark. make all of Can our we wizards email this whole thing? <laughs> all of our wizards email addresses should have the ampersand <laughs> instead of the at now. Now Can I wanna we do, do that? that. Yeah, design it. We'll okay. make it happen. Done. But I mean will TS let us? <laughs> no. Oh okay. The internet won't no. let us either. No. <laughs> the world won't let us. So it's artdrop oh. at wizards.com. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Nice. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> And then, uh, uh, and like, what are you looking for? What kind of stuff is is something that, uh, you know, is a hole that needs to get filled or or what? Well, so here's the hard part. And um, when we go to conventions and do panels and things like this, this is is one of the the important things um, that prospective artists need to know. Um, When we're working on something, we already have a lot of artists that we know, we trust, we know that they meet their deadlines. They are familiar with D&D. Like, there is a lot um, of goodness that comes along with the artists that we work with. Um, They make my life simpler. So when you're submitting something, it has to be something that uh, is good enough um, or different enough that it makes me go, you know, instead of giving that to so-and-so, I really want to try out this guy uh, or girl and say, you know, you you do this thing. Um, so you're you have to be pretty much you have to be better than the artists that we already work with. Mm. So that's it's a really high bar. Um, however, it happens all the time. I'm uh, on uh, the last book that I did. Can I say the name? What Storm King Thunder? No, the one that comes out after this. No, he can't say okay. that. Okay. <laughs> so, the, um, the next book so the in next, the world. The next book in the world that I've already commissioned <laughs> and I have the art in my hands. Um, I have a new artist in that book. Um, the book that's coming out after that, um, I'm in the process of commissioning right now. And I have another artist that I haven't worked with before that mm. I'm trying out on that. So new artists come in, um, but... Uh, it's a high bar. Yeah. I don't want you to think that, you know, if I give you the art from my high school, I wouldn't make it in here either. You have to be um, you have to be good and professional. And sometimes there are artists that I love the work that they do. They just don't fit with what we're working on right. at that moment. Um, I'll, we try to have the book in the, the art inside the books look kind of cohesive. Um, nothing that's too... Um, too different in style. You should be able to tell that they're different artists, but it shouldn't be like, oh my gosh, and then there's this crazy thing happening. Mm-hmm. So, um, but there are artists who do crazy things that I want to work with. And so um, Jeremy and I have been talking about how we can work that kind of thing into the books a little bit more. So. Mm. Oh, cool. Kind yeah. of like using like an artist interpretation of like in label it that being like, hey, this is a little bit different. Um, Something like Something that, like that. maybe, or or just having a section in a book that that calls for a different look to it, mm. or um, and then there are other things like uh, Shauna is always great uh, about doing marketing things with with other artists who have a different take on things, or or things that go into Dragon Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, a, a lot of times too. we can we can kind of um, build things that way and and then kind of expand the look of D&D in that way. Cool. So where did you find those artists, the new ones, from Art Drop? Um, or? I met, the the first one that I was talking about, I met at a convention. Oh, cool. Um, a lot of times we'll go to um, all different kinds of gaming conventions, um, some art conventions. I met this one at Spectrum Live, um, which is where the artists who are in Spectrum, which is a kind of a, uh, I want, not a catalog, a but anthology. A, an anthology, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, Greg, you're the word man. Fantasy art. Um, so 
so they have they have a, a meeting and there's a huge artist alley there. I mean, that's what the whole thing is, right. is artists. Yeah. Um, it's got to be overwhelming. I brought uh, Wonderful. Edna to Emerald City Comic Con uh, oh. because she's been drawing a lot. And, mm-hmm. and uh, she, whenever I ask her what she wants to be or anyone does, she's like, I want to be an artist. Uh, so oh. when she went to the, the artist alley there, I mean, she just had her jaw open and was absorbing so much stuff and talking to artists mm-hmm. and everything like that so Does she have her little portfolio no i mean i don't think she even really thinks of it as like a job you should, you yet should make her a little portfolio i know maybe i should yeah I've, i mean i have a box of that's my portfolio of, of all of her so stuff I'm, uh, i of have all one st- of her pieces and it's beautiful it's true she made it's an framed. owl yeah it's a good yeah. one um, so yeah, no, I mean, it, that's why I think conventions are such a great way to kind mm-hmm. of meet and talk to people, yeah. uh, uh, you know, f- from from uh, the learning of it too, like how do they market themselves and how to make mm-hmm. it happen, and you know, uh, uh, and we were talking about this on a previous podcast uh, that from a you know that the pitching of yourself as an artist is is not the same skill set as making the art. Uh, yeah, so right. it can sometimes be very difficult to be like, all right, I'm going to pick my five best pieces and submit it to Art Drop, you know, but you don't even, might not know what your five best pieces are, or the five right. best pieces that, you know, fit the D&D aesthetic are and things like that. So it's I just like talking about it to make sure people kind of get at least some guidelines and, yeah. and, and get the best success possible. And the five best pieces for me may not be the five best pieces for magic or the five best pieces for uh, tour publishing or the five best pieces for um, something uh, else. Some, yeah, some editorial thing that you want to do. Like, like um, you wouldn't just have necessarily five pieces that fit everything that you might want to submit to. Subjective, too. Right. It's like your mm-hmm. resume. You want to yeah. curtail your resume to the position you're going for rather yeah. than just, this is my resume, deal with it. So <laughs> <Yeah>. what? <laughs> It's got yeah. the fact that I was a juggler on it. You know, that's, that'll get me a job at an uh, accounting right. firm, right? <laughs> yeah, you don't want you don't want your portfolio. You don't want me as the art director to try and figure out how you fit in with my brand. You want to figure out how you fit in with my brand as best you can. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. take your best stab, and and you don't have to just submit once. You can submit every six months as you put more things cool. in your mm-hmm. portfolio. Um, submit again. You know, we're always looking through that. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah. now, speaking of Spectrum, a lot of yes. pieces that you work, both of you have worked on, are in Yay, Spectrum. Yeah. And then the <laughs> next issue that's just yes. been announced, right? That um, what Spectrum pieces 24. are Yeah, it hasn't you guys hasn't been it. released yet. Um, Emmy has a piece of art in there that she what? designed. It's, what piece? It's a collaboration with it's her collaboration. And, and Tyler um, Jacobson. No yeah, the, which piece is that? You know that big old one that was hanging in your cube for like forever. It had um, it was the Storm King's Thunder. Yes, yes, that one. So Tyler Jacobson did this amazing piece, um, and I put some runes on it, and they were God, it's awesome. Don't <laughs> Do not undersell that. Yeah, that's cool. It was really cool to get to um, you know work with his piece of art and make it something that is this you know, your first piece for Spectrum. Like, it's my first name there, so <gasps> that's thanks, awesome. Tyler. <laughs> that's so He's cool. The best. I'm gonna say that's all you. I don't know. Oh, I, I would take that. I'll tell I my saw mom the original that. ones that he put in, and it didn't work until all those runes right, right, yeah. brought it all together <laughs> to be on yeah. this T-shirt. I have the rune, yep. uh, the blue runes T-shirt right now. This yeah. T-shirt's gonna be in Spectrum by then. Oh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> You're model posing it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> what about great. the pieces you worked on, Kate? You have a um, lot of them. Bottom. There, there are seven pieces that I know got in there, but I don't know which seven they are. <laughs> you have yeah, seven the pieces Gersh in there. Is like, like holding He's on holding to this that information, information tight to his Why chest. Why would he tell us? I, sure. I overheard that the cover for Widow's Walk was in there. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. I know. Really? Yeah. See, nobody knows. He didn't that. even no tell you. Congratulations, Shelley. I overheard. I was like, excuse me. Magdalena? <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah. Should I? Oh, you had something to do with it. Oh, I, I had nothing. I had nothing to do with it. Shauna had everything. But <laughs> That's my favorite con- conference room here in the building now is the one I where know. Magdalena is, is looking looming down. Over looming it's over. It's the best seat in the house. It, it really, really is. is. Yeah. It's good. Mm-hmm. But anyway, well, that's very cool. Congratulations to both of you. That is Thank exciting. You. Yeah. And people, I mean, it's a kind of like an art director thing, the spectrum, right? Like, So that's a good way for people to kind of get what's going oh, on absolutely. in fantasy art at, at right now. When you know? when you ask, you know, where do you find artists, that's definitely another place um, that we go 
to look for artists. Um, there, there are publications similar to that, but um, but Spectrum really focuses on fantasy, and um, especially in the recent years, they they've been pushing the envelope as well. So it's not it's not um, like old fashioned fantasy. It's <laughs> it, there's some of that in there always as well, but um, but yeah, just. It's really cool stuff. That's if you're interested cool in fantasy book. art, um, Spectrum 24 will be out next, like, January or something. Is it like called that. 20? It's the 24th yeah, version, right? Because it's an annual yeah. uh, a publication. It's, like, inch, two inches thick, full of yeah. fantasy art. Yeah. yeah. It's really interesting um, to look at. Yeah, so yeah. it's really fascinating. I mean, I've looked at it at, uh, at Shauna's desk. Uh, and yeah. just, I mean, you know, you're, it's amazing seeing it all in one place. And it's so cool that a lot of our stuff, as well as some uh, uh, magic art, is in mm-hmm. there as well. Yep. Yeah, and as well as uh, as us submitting art uh, as a company, the artists themselves submit art too. So there might be things that I art directed that the artist that even... submitted, and oh, yeah. I won't know about it until I open up the book and I go, "Oh my god, I recognize look at that. that! That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's wonderful. Oh, for your consideration. For your consideration. Yes. So um, yeah, if you want to look in. Um, this year's version is Spectrum 23, obviously. Yeah. And, and there's, the, I mean, isn't there, uh, 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 Zagamoy is in there, right? Our, uh, the oh, statue yeah. of Zagamoy that we she created did. for yeah. Dragon Plus is in there as well as a, a lot of other stuff. I think her wedding picture is in there. Oh, pro- yeah. Is that one in there? Uh-huh. That's one of my favorite pieces. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. I love that, too. You just love the idea that there was a wedding in D&D <laughs> that you could talk <laughs> about. <laughs> It's a mushroom wedding. Finally, like something I can relate to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> her dress was gorgeous. <laughs> the creature she had around her neck, also gorgeous. Beautiful. Yeah. It's an interesting way of accessorizing. Yeah, it's like the ring bearer. Here you go. <laughs> Here's a dragon. Well, thank you guys so much for, for coming by and letting us pick your brains about art. It was really uh, uh, fun. Yay. Yeah, I like it. Thank you for what having do you think, me. Shelley? I know how busy you are, so I know. Appreciate I literally had to pull Emmy and, and Kate <laughs> away from their arting. Their zhuzhing was happening. <laughs> zhuzh made it in. And again. Yes. Yay, <laughs> All right, awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Oh, man. I love those ladies. They me do too. good talkings. But they don't, they don't take enough credit. That's true. They're just like, no, no, someone else did They're so good. They, they are so good at what they do. They really are. Yes. And they bring, like, I, I mean, I was trying to say, like, people, like, they bring these books to life in a way that nobody knows. They really knows. do. Nobody really understands. So much goes into it. You know, even when they talk about the flow of a book, you don't even really appreciate that. You no. just read the book. But yeah. it's like somebody's really thinking about you, the user, and how it's true. this book is going to... Yeah. We, I mean, I've heard him talk about getting in the ins and outs of like, oh, this page, you know, the text doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. If we move this around here, it'll just make it feel that much better. Or like, you know, this much space needs to happen before yeah. this piece of art happens. Yep. You know, that's what we're talking about when we say zhuzhing was like they move stuff yes, around so much until, you know, and that process can be like, you know, weeks for them and to if like you make sure it's perfect. Zhuzh something on one page, you can just ruin the whole flow right. for the, all the pages that follow. Exactly. Uh. That would make me crazy. I but know. Emmy's just so nice, and she always does everything smiling. That is true. Even when I'm like, okay. but I mean, she kind of hinted at it when she was talking about the swag stuff, and she's like, well, sometimes deadlines can be hot tight. <laughs> That's all of my fault. But That's it was, all me. No, it was the convention's fault, not yours. That's true. See? I can blame Trevor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's Trevor's fault. <laughs> Trevor's fault. Hashtag Trevor's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag no Trevor. Yeah. Uh, so how can you people tweet at us, uh, no Trevor, Shelley? Oh, if anytime you want to hashtag no Trevor, <laughs> do so at, at Shelly Moo. And, and uh, you can do me at Greg Tito. You can do me. Whoa. You can do me at Greg Tito. So first we start off with the cans in the room. Yeah, and then, then the Twitter is going to be like ampersand Greg Tito. <laughs> Just ampersand me. This is terrible. Um, but, of course, you can also check out Wizards underscore D&D on the Twitters. Uh, and, uh, of course, our Facebook page uh, is always full of new stuff that's out there. We get a little bit more verbose on the, tw- on the Facebook than we do True. in Twitter. Very. You know, so I don't know. We don't plug that enough maybe because I'm much more of a Twitter user than I am a Facebook user. Sorry. Um, but, you know, Facebook is really good. A lot of, it makes a lot of discussions. It is. I share a lot of your stuff that way. There's a lot of discussions yep. that happen there. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. So go check that out. Um, as well, Tales from the Awning. I mean, you heard all about the making of Tales from the Awning Portal. And the now art. go see it for yourself. And go. maybe you'll have a different appreciation for how uh, uh, the art and the graphic design all, all integrate with the text itself. Yep. Yeah. And the maps. And the maps are I very beautiful. I could talk about maps forever. Yeah, you're a map nerd. I'm a mapper. Yep. 
I, I wonder what a map is. It like a, a cartog? I don't know. There's got to be some term for like I'm someone sure. who's like a, a map freak. <laughs> Maybe it's map freak. We'll just, just call it say, that. It could just be map freak. You should go check out mapfreak.com. And so I just I just oh read, registered that. On this, my, is gonna my be another, this is going to be another pegging thing. <laughs> No. Greg and Shelly are talking about map freaking. Map they freaking. Have no idea what it means. <laughs> Do not search for map freaking. <laughs> oh my god. You know what that reminds me of? Which is totally apropos of nothing. But I knew a guy whose name was Matt Green, and he legally changed his name, his middle name, to Freaking. No. So he was Matt Freaking Green. <laughs> really? I'm, I don't, I'm sure he doesn't listen to the podcast. He's a D and D guy too. I don't know if he listened to this, but uh, shout out to you, Matt Freaking Green. <laughs> You did good work. He did. Yeah. He was a director, too. Really good, fantastic uh, theater director. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I feel like we've segued enough That's and, good. and digressed That's enough good. on this crazy, yep. crazy train. That's a rabbit hole. We're not going. We're crazy not going. train, cold, dragon talk. You guys are awesome. Uh, we'll see you next week, maybe. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.